Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It is the end of another good week in the Word. Thank you for uh, this week. Thank you for what we've done in 2 Kings. It's been good. These are good chapters, and today's a great chapter. 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 20. I appreciate you guys for being with me. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 22. We said yesterday how uh, what is valuable to the parents can be lost by the children. You know, what Hezekiah had accomplished, you know, his son, his grandson, absolutely erased. What is important, you know, to the one generation can be completely lost by the next generation, no question. But by the same token, um, what is lost by one generation can be recovered by the children, you know, can be recovered by the next generation. And that's what you see here. Josiah is amazing. Uh, now, Hezekiah was good. Hezekiah was good, but Josiah, I think when you read 2 Kings, you're supposed to recognize that, you know, Josiah is the king we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for uh, this king. Uh, Josiah was eight years old when he becomes king. Uh, he reigned for 31 years, uh, eight years old. Again, I, I can hardly understand that. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, according to his ancestor David, which of course is the high, highest estimate you can give a king of Judah. And then he did not turn away from doing what was right. I think the Hebrew says he didn't go left or right, you know, just no compromise. He tried to do what was right, and uh, and, and I love him. So since he is now trying to who uh, get the country back on track, get the nation back on track, get the nation back, you know, call back to Yahweh, back to God, notice that they're in the, <coughs> excuse me, notice that they're in the middle of something like a building program, uh, a temple renovation program. Um, the temple is basically, you know, uh, I mean, just, you know, don't, don't forget there, Manasseh turned, you know, the temple in Jerusalem, it turned it into Vegas. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was desecrated and, uh, filth and everything else. And so Josiah is on this project now to restore the temple. A physical restoration goes along with spiritual restoration. You know what I mean? And so he sends Shaphan, who seems to be a very, very important member of his court. Shaphan goes down to check on the, you know, the, to check on the building program, to check on the, uh, the progress there. Uh, he's supposed to, you know, to deal with the money. Don't need any receipts. They're all honest people. I think that's great. Um, uh, anyway, in the context of checking on the building project there, uh, I, I think it's Hilkiah that just sort of mentions, hey, you know, by the way, we we found the Bible. <laughs> we found the book of the law. Um, it, it had been lost in the Lord's temple. Um, that's kind of, you know, shocking and, and amazing. Like, how did... How did the Bible get lost, you know, in the temple? How did the book of the law, I'm saying Bible, which I know what I mean, right? How did, most likely it's the scroll of the book of Deuteronomy, you know. But how is it lost? And it was like so lost, nobody's even looking for it, which means it is out of sight, out of mind. It's gone. Like, it's not in their hearts. It's not in their minds. Nobody's even missing it, you know. That's just shatteringly devastating, you know, that that the book of God's law can be lost in God's own house, you know, but they find it. I think it's interesting how it goes to a couple of hands on its way to Josiah, and they're just like, hey, yeah, look what we found, you know, they, they don't, I don't, do they not understand what they found, you know, what, does it not mean anything to them? It's just kind of uh, amazing. Shaphan goes to the king and says, yeah, 
turn the money over to the temple, uh, the workers, the supervisors there. That's all going really, really well. By the way, Hilkiah, the priest, gave me a scroll. They found the Bible, you know. Um, and so Josiah has him read uh, the, what's written in the book of the law. Josiah has him read. Uh, some people think that maybe Josiah couldn't read, and I think that's interesting. Uh, he has to have it read to him. Uh, as if he can't read. Right? I just assumed he's like a king and he shouldn't have to read for himself. I don't know, but it, at, at any rate, it's it's read out loud to him. And when he hears it, um, he's devastated. I mean, King Josiah is is devastated because he realizes this is the terms of the covenant and, and we haven't kept it, you know? We haven't done what was written. We haven't done everything it says we must do. And so remember with that, you know, uh, in, in that you know, covenant in Deuteronomy, there's the, the blessings and the curse, right? And so Josiah recognizes that we are under the curse. You know, we haven't done everything. And so he sends for a word. He sends for a word to the prophet. And the prophet's name is Huldah. Yeah, it's a, it's a woman prophet. Are you surprised about that? Because I love the way the book of Second Kings doesn't go, yeah, and she was a woman, <laughs> you know? It's just like, yeah, you know? Uh, it's interesting how it seems like uh, we are, are more uh, surprised, you know, or we have more expectation that the prophets ought to be all men than the Bible does. And I think that says something about us. You, you know what I mean? Uh, and I'm not trying to, you know, wade into, you know, what women should do in the church and all that. But all I got to say is, in, in my mind, they should do everything in our lives and in the church that they do in the Bible. I mean, this is the Bible, you all. It's the Bible. And I can't imagine that a woman can do something in the book of Second Kings for God that she couldn't do at Woodburn Baptist Church. You know what I'm saying? So uh, don't get upset. I mean, it's in the Bible. Hold as a woman and she's a faithful prophet. And, you know, somebody going to say, well, he probably had to call a woman because there weren't any men. And fair enough, you know, but God obviously has a, a woman of God here who hears his voice and can speak for him. And uh, in, in this passage, she leads well. She speaks for God. She tells the king exactly what he must do. I think it's interesting how, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, it's the law and the prophets together. And so once they find the book of the law, Josiah goes and consults the prophet. You know, so you get the law and the prophets, that kind of authority together. Um, and so Huldah says, the Lord has spoken. The Lord God of Israel has spoken. Uh, listen, this is what the Lord says. I'm, I'm going to bring disaster on this city. Now, we already know because of all of the sins of Manasseh that God is already, you know, planning to... Uh, to, to bring judgment. But but notice here, uh, there are really two ways to respond to God's word, and Manasseh is one way, you know, but here, um, Josiah shows a very different way of responding to the word of God, and it's just beautiful, you know. First off, it's it's just that soft-heartedness, you know. I mean, Hilkiah the priest, Shaphan, you know, the royal officer, they see the scroll, they realize they found something, it's probably worth passing on, but but Josiah receives it, you know, and, and his heart is so soft, you know, so immediately he reads it and responds to it. His, his soft heart leads to just repentance, this repentant spirit, you know. If the Bible says it and we're not doing it, then we got to change. We got to do something different. We have to repent. We got to get right with God, 
you know, and, uh, and I love that. That determination to obey, you know, hey, we haven't done everything that it says. You know, you can tell that Josiah, you know, very, very angry in a sense at, at the nation, at, at the people of God who have somehow allowed the, the book of God's law to become lost, you know. And so now he's bringing it all back and trying to realign the nation with the covenant. Uh, that repentant spirit, that determination to obey, and and just that willingness to change, you know? I think it's funny in our culture, man, I mean, the Bible's lost in our culture too. Can we not just admit that? It's just, I mean, we got more Bibles. I mean, you can buy them at Walmart. You can buy, we all got 15 Bibles at our house, but none of them get read. And for the most part in our culture, no one consults the Word of God anymore. And if culture you know, evolves to a point where it no longer is in alignment with Scripture, then we're expected to just ignore Scripture or reinterpret Scripture or one way or the other, make the Bible say what we want it to say so we can live like we want to live, you know. But that's not Josiah's attitude. If, if this is a word of God, it may have been lost for generations, but now if we're not living in alignment with it, then we got to change. We have to change. The word of God, you know, it, it doesn't move for us. We have to move for it, you know. And so that willingness to change is amazing. That's where we'll pick up on Monday morning. Chapter 23, verses 1 to 37. Josiah is going to clean this place up. And, uh, and I love him. Uh, religious reforms of Josiah in 2 Kings chapter 23. I don't know. It, th- this whole chapter makes me worry, you know, because because on one hand you think, well, could, could could we lose the Bible, you know, in our church, you know? And I think the answer is yeah, you know. While we all carry one, everybody's got a, a Bible app on their phone, you know. But but I, I remind you, if you don't read the Bible, you're no better off than people who don't have a Bible, you know. So even if it's not lost, lost, if if we don't put a supreme place. For the Bible in our lives, it might as well be lost, you, you, you know? And in our churches, man, we have so much this activity. Like there's so much that people love to do and want, want the church to do. And man, we need cooking classes and, you know, we need to be doing this and we need to be doing that. And man, it's really, really easy in a church like ours even to uh, get so busy doing lots and lots of good things that you eventually lose sight of the the most important things, your purpose, the very word of God, the foundation upon which we stand. Uh, yeah, I, I think that we're not going to lose our copies of God's word, but oh my goodness, when God's word loses its place of primacy and supremacy in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our small groups, in our churches, uh, again, uh, it may not be lost, lost, Uh, But it can sure not be lost to us if we don't read it, if we don't continue to recognize its authority and surrender ourselves to everything that it says. Josiah leads the way, man. In that sense, he is a great king, and uh, he's about to do uh, some amazing damage to to the kingdom of evil, to the uh, pagan neighbors around. Uh, Chapter 23 is really good. So I'll meet you there at 10 o'clock. Uh, Monday morning, Second uh, Kings chapter 23, verses 1 to 37. If you don't have a church home, Woodburn Baptist Church would love to have you uh, Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. I'm preaching a sermon series entitled Easter People, and uh, looking at saints and sinners on the road to Calvary. This coming Sunday, don't miss this one. 
I am preaching on a character. I, some of you, you've read the Bible and you didn't even know this person exists. He doesn't have a name, but, uh, but that's uh, Sunday morning at Woodburn. Uh, the young man uh, in the garden who runs away naked. Uh, Ray Stevens would call him the streak, you know. Uh, anyway, picking up right there on Sunday morning, uh, so don't miss that. And, uh, and again, if I don't see you between now and then, I will see you Monday morning, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you all so much. Thanks for a good week. I'll see you Monday.